Welcome to the Unfamiliar Shift with me, Ariella, the Boutique Lifestyle Leaders Association's Hospitality Show. This is a podcast about the boutique hospitality community and how its top industry executives and leaders stay up to date on the best innovative trends in boutique hotels all around the world. Each season, I'll bring my favorite visionaries to candidly discuss new philosophies, ideas, and innovations in the hospitality industry, primarily the boutique community. I'm excited to share with you some of my intimate conversations with these extraordinary leaders as we navigate the unfamiliar shift of boutique hospitality. This podcast is brought to you by Solanus, the intuitive boutique hotel property management system. I am very excited to welcome our special guest for today's episode, Ernest Lee of Citizen M. Based in New York City, our guest has an extensive range of business experience in investments, real estate, finance, strategy, and even operations. It's safe to say in the bustling city that never sleeps, he's truly doing it all. As the chief growth officer for the famous Citizen M Hotels, Ernest is responsible for implementing new growth initiatives, products and programs, pursuing strategic partnerships, and developing long-term commercial strategy in collaboration with the chief commercial officer. And to top it all off, he's recognized for guiding the complex, multi-regional expansion of Citizen M's North American portfolio. These luxury properties, or proud misfits of traditional hotels, are satisfying the modern traveler's desire for affordable luxury and brilliantly shifting the status quo of hospitality as we know it. And with that, let's get to know our featured guest, Ernest Lee. Hey everyone, it's Ariella over here at The Unfamiliar Shift. I am so excited for today's guest. We have Ernest Lee, Chief Growth Officer at one of my favorite boutique hotel collections, Citizen M. I remember the first Citizen M I stayed at in Glasgow, and I absolutely loved it. And from there, they have just exponentially grown. Ernest, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Ariella. Thanks for having me. Of course. You know, you and Fran, aka everyone knows Mama Bear, have been connecting and then you and I have been connecting and we're so excited because you're getting involved with our investment conference coming up. But I love to start off every show with a really important question. How did you enter the hospitality industry? How did you come to build your career in this community? We want to we want to get the backstory, the backside of your business card. Yeah. So a uh, good question. I'd say that it, it really starts with, with how I grew up. I, I grew up in a small town in Long Island where there's just so happened to be a lot of families that worked in the service industry, restaurant owners, they managed their own catering halls, delis. And so my first exposure to hospitality was really, you know, working jobs after school, worked as a waiter, making sandwiches, doing dishes. And it was fun. I made a lot of money, but I just remember having a lot of good times with my friends. And so when it came to going to college, I maybe made the mistake of conflating fun with with career. We all do that. (laughs) Yeah, I decided, okay, maybe hospitality is something that I want to do long term. And so I ended up enrolling at NYU's hotel school with really the ambition to become a GM. That's where I really started to, to get my first true crack at working in hotels. I started probably my sophomore year, worked a, at a you know big four diamond hotel in, in the city, started off in housekeeping. I remember one of my 
first jobs was to get the room ready for the owner whenever he was in town. And I remember, you know, asking my supervisor one day, I, I didn't really know this at the time, how do you actually become a hotel owner? And I remember her telling me either really need to be really rich or you need to become a developer. And I remember, okay, that, that's cool. So when it came to picking my courses for the fall, I, I remember loading up on classes that involved real estate, whether it's finance or investment type of classes, and really shifted into, okay, I want to stay in this industry, but I'd rather position myself a little bit more towards the ownership side. My first job out of college was working for an advisory firm where I helped a lot of hotel owners and developers raise money for their properties. That company was ultimately bought by Cushman Wakefield, where I stayed on for about a, a decade doing more of the same, which was great. I, I learned and I worked for some of the best, most talented hotel owners and operators and developers. Being on the intermediary side, you always have that itch to see whether you could do it yourself on the ownership side. And so that's when about seven years ago in 2015, the Citizen M opportunity came up where it presented an opportunity to help open the U.S. office and, and build out the portfolio here. And the, the rest is history. I, I love that. I can really relate when you were at NYU. I was going to go to Cornell Hotel School because I wanted to be a general manager too. And then I got into kind of the ownership side too, because we host the Boutique Hotel Investment Conference. And now that's my goal is I want to create my own boutique hotel collection as well and just love everything that you're doing at Citizen M. And I think your journey is relatable to a lot of our listeners as well. Let's talk about your job title as well, Chief Growth Officer. Can you tell us what that entails? Because I don't see that a lot with boutique hotel collections. Would love to hear a little bit about that role. I originally started within Citizen M overseeing our development portfolio. I started at a time where we only had one property in the US that was open and was really just there to expand the platform, acquire, develop, and open hotels. And we ultimately, over uh, that period, the US portfolio to about 17 assets. And you know, that, that wow. was yeah fun, very gratifying work, especially from where we started. But to me, I've always had ambition to, to become much more well-rounded as a hotel owner and hotelier and get much more and closer to, to our guests. And understanding this and really recognizing the necessity to not just open hotels, but actually fill them was to, you know, get much closer the way that we run our operating business. And so we wanted to do things in, you know, typical non-traditional citizen M fashion by trying to pick up best practices from outside of the hotel industry. And one of those areas was from the technology industry where you see sales and marketing really focused on and called growth. And they have specialized teams that are always thinking about not just running the day-to-day -day business, but always thinking about tomorrow. And so that's where we sort of have adopted the title and gotten a lot of inspiration as to, okay, how do we constantly thinking about the next year, the next two years, the next five years, the next 10 years, and make this a full-time focus of somebody and that person so happened to be me. Okay, you said something there that I think is so key. And it's just from the role. And it's not just roles, but Citizen M took inspiration from other industries. Because I think when we just look at hospitality, we can get this tunnel vision. But we need to look outside. What are other industries doing? It's, it made me really happy when you said that because – 
when I started telling these things to the industry five years ago, everyone thought I was like really crazy and like wacko kind of. So I just, I love seeing how Citizen M, how you guys also believe in looking at whether what other industries are doing. And yeah, because when I saw your title, I was like, I've never seen that in a hotel collection. That's amazing. Let's get to the company Citizen M. What is the ethos behind the company? Yeah, so I'd say that that our ethos is really that we we want to deliver high end hotel experiences at an affordable price. Period. Right. Mm. So what we want to do is we want to bridge the gap between quality and cost and make upscale travel much more accessible to a much more group of people. I'd say that this is principal consideration in the way that we run our hotels, we develop our hotels, and everything that surrounds our business model is delivering this idea of having 90% of the quality of a very high-end luxury lifestyle hotel at 50% of the price. And and for us, this is really what we try to surround the makeup and the culture of our business around. I love that. When did the first property open? Do you know what year? 2008. 2008. Long time. So you've created a new category in the hotel space. What does this mean for a traditional hotel? Yeah, let's back up into when we first opened our, our hotel. What what did that time period look mm-hmm. like? And this was a period where there, there was, I would say, a significant shift in in our business starting in the mid 90s going to the early 2000s you saw hotels become much more fragmented and what i mean by that is that you had on one side the big hotel brands and the managers very quickly at scale shedding a lot of their real estate holdings they Mm -hmm. decided hey whether it's because they were a public company or their investors didn't like it or whether propelled growth, they wanted to become much more asset light. And what that created was an environment where the decision-making and control of product became a little bit at odds with the customer experience, right? So you saw mm-hmm. hotels becoming much more financially frugal in terms of how much that they want to give back to the guests in exchange for whatever, optimizing financial returns or keep things under budget. But there, there was an inherent sort of conflict of interest between the stakeholders. And for us, we saw this and then it created a, a deepening divide between categories, right? It created a deepening divide between the lifestyle hotels that we all sort of love and hold dear in terms of versus the next category, which was a big drop off in experience and quality. And what it presented to us was a big white space, the sort of attainability of their price and their rates. And for us, that white space was something that we were very familiar with because the founders of our company came from fashion, where you saw a lot of this happen already, where you basically had luxury high-end designers, and then you had budget well below. And there was nobody really addressing that middle market until concepts like Zara, Club Monaco came, Mm -hmm. where you basically had a sort of new concept category called affordable luxury. And so that's Mm -hmm. what we really wanted to create and address. And what this meant was after we started becoming a little bit more successful with our business model, that the traditional hotel collection started to get much more blurry between select and full service, three and four star. And you saw, you know, 
people trying to create various hues of what lifestyle means and various forms of amenities, various forms of experience, various forms of accommodation. And I, I think that all of that is really good for our industry because at the end of the day, it gives consumers much more choice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think with lifestyle that's drastically shifting and boutique is drastically shifting and we have full service, select service, and I agree that it's all just being blended. And that kind of goes to my next question, because I think this is truly a big differentiator that puts hotels into two groups. So we have a group of hotels that are not so transparent and then transparency, aka authenticity, being genuine as a company towards guests. Um what would you say in terms of how to build a boutique hotel collection and company based on transparency? Yeah, good question. I think it's probably a little bit inherent for us, maybe because of our Dutch roots. We've always started with just first building a culture based on being direct and honest with one another and ourselves. And I'll give you an example. We're a private company, but like we routinely share our financial results with the entire company from property level associates and up. And we do that because we want to show the good, the bad, the ugly. And we do this for really wanting to have a stake in the success and failure and so that everyone has agency. And how this sort of spills over to a guest standpoint and a brand standpoint is that it's really how we interact and, and create respect to the value proposition and the knowledge base of our customers. We, we don't try to bait and switch them. We don't overly use aggressive marketing tactics. We try to meet mm-hmm. and hopefully exceed their expectations. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. we give them different choices. And we just feel like this is a necessity in this day and age, especially because the fact that we live in an environment where information is just available and people just talk and peer-to-peer sort of Mm -hmm. opinion is so valuable that having this level of of transparency with your guests is not just a nice to have, but is table stakes. Absolutely. We 100% agree with that. My mom and I were building this travel tech startup called Stay Boutique, and it's based on that notion and how a lot of boutique hotels and lifestyle hotels are usually more transparent, not only with their teams, but with their guests. So if, let's say we're including, if you look at autograph collection, they're trying to hide the fact that they're part of Marriott. We have to put the Marriott logo on there because part of Stay Boutique, we want transparency because consumers we care about where our money goes. That We haven't cared like this before, but when we give someone our money, we want to know what they're doing with it. So the world is drastically changing and at absolutely no surprise, boutique and lifestyle hotels are leading this wave in hospitality. Um, I want to go back to what you were mentioning about Citizen M and being an owner-operator. How has that been? Any advice? Because that's probably one of the biggest questions we get within our membership community, do I own and operate? Do I just own hire third party for operations? Then we see every day there is a new boutique hotel operator, like literally (laughs) that are asset light. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I have a lot of thoughts on it, but maybe a better way to answer your question is, you know, why do we do this? Mm -hmm. We do this really because we're control freaks, right? Especially about the quality and the guest experience. We consider ourselves a hotel company first, or so brand and operator first, and then hotel owned as a conduit to that. Since the, the time that we started, we've always been highly sensitive to the dynamics that I described before. This fragmentation of the hotel industry where you have 
brands, operators on one side, owners, developers on the other. And this dynamic really leads to this compromising element that, that I described where, you know, oftentimes people who are writing the checks will have a certain amount of, of leverage and certain amount of decision-making in order to facilitate value engineering decisions or make certain choices in terms of what gets invested into the property and the overall guest experience. And oftentimes we find that customers are the ones holding the bag. And so we're building something from scratch, right? We're building brand for, that was, that did not exist 15 years ago. And for us, this is obviously a highly personal choice. We knew that was not a path that we wanted to go down because protecting the customer experience was the number one sort of goal for us. And in order to do that, that requires a significant amount of control. And so that for us means that we want to, yeah, play developer, play owner, play designer, play operator, and play brand all at the same time. We're going to hold on that note for just a moment as we introduce our sponsor, Solanus. They are an intuitive property management system powered by a business intelligence engine, offering the hospitality industry a single robust solution for managing hotels, resorts, vacation rentals, and corporate housing. Its ease of use, streamlined onboarding, and 24-7 support make it the preferred PMS solution. Headquartered in San Diego, Solanus is the vision of hospitality experts and technologists who believe it is time for a new era in property management. Ready to discover how they can work with you to elevate your property? Visit Solanus.com to get started. Wow. I, I love that. I honestly, I think that takes a lot more risk, but it's from what you were saying. It's about that, that control over how you interact with the guest and it's that 360 experience that you have control because you truly care. That's what's evident to me is you actually care. And with that, I want to get to the topic of scaling because you guys are growing quite quickly. And with scaling comes the risk of losing authenticity. How do you balance growing but keeping the authenticity of the ethos, the mission of Citizen M? Yeah, I think what anyone in your audience will probably appreciate and sympathize and empathize with one another about is that we we live in an incredibly operating an incredibly tough business in that we're basically a consumer product that changes daily. People can stop on a moment's notice and and change their travel preferences altogether. Look what happened over the last two years. We went from urban people like city travel to, oh, wait, we hate city travel. Let's go to- Exactly. But we were wrapped around a manufacturing process that takes months and years. So there's this huge lagging effect. And then on top of that, you add in, you know, financial elements where people need to create and present business plans that have all sorts of metrics and measurements and precedent and all sorts of research and data behind it. And there's this huge time mismatch that we we're constantly trying to, to battle. And so what you often have is you have owners and developers that are using ideas or approaches that may be popular at a given time because they find it, you know, easy to finance, right? Because there's a rooftop bar down the block and we can underwrite it. The time to deliver that is actually going to be much later. So that fad or that the popularity of that can, you know, definitely change over the period where you're actually trying to deliver it to market. I, I would say that personally, the best and most authentic hoteliers and owners and hospitality industry 
people. Like I'm talking about the Liz Lamberts, the Ian Schrager's, mm-hmm. the Brian Chesky's, even though he's not in the hotel business, I consider him the Oh my genius. gosh, he revolutionized yeah, it. Genius. Oh my gosh. Is, they, yeah. All they do is listen. They listen and they listen to their guests. They listen to the surroundings and they basically listen to not just what's happening on a superficial level, but they're following what's happening in the broader environment, right? They're following what's happening de- demographically. They're following what's happening psychographically. They're focusing on like the trends, not just the pretty sort of headlights. And when you focus less on just like a tangible thing, but you focus more on like capturing a feeling, then that's when the execution becomes much more heartfelt and it actually feels real and authentic. And that's something that you could actually scale because then it's less about the actual concept, but it's more about capturing the moment and the the zeitgeist of, of that generation. So beautifully said. I l- love that. I 100% agree with everything that you're saying. And something that from a personal standpoint, you guys know it wouldn't be an Ariella show without me bringing in my love of energy. It's the most... From what I'm reading, you guys all know I'm doing yoga teacher training and all that. And it's one of the things my yoga teachers have always taught me. I know yoga is very far from hospitality, but it's the most awakened souls are, are always listening, it's always listening. And those that have the most self-development listen more than they talk or do. And so I thought that was very beautifully said, Ernest. And we're running out of time, but I want to get to quickly review what's in the pipeline for Citizen M and maybe just a couple of points on how you choose locations because we have a lot of developers in the room and I know that's interesting for them. Yeah. So we're opening six hotels this year, six next year, and then a few after that, mostly in uh, the U.S. as well as some in Western Europe. U.S., we have a few upcoming in Miami, Seattle, Silicon Valley, Chicago, Austin, Boston, D.C., places like that. And then the, the way that we think about Site selection is we really always focus on the customer and we try to focus on where the value proposition of Citizen M works best and is much is is the most compelling for our customers. Right. So these are for us, right? So everybody has to look at it through their own lens. But for us, these are pockets where there's tons of lifestyle hotels and luxury hotels where by delivering Citizen M experience, a, a fun, much more approachable, lower price point experience is going to be an incredible value to our audience. And for that to us has always been the, the guiding criteria. Absolutely. Is it, was Citizen M created in thinking of the business traveler? I was just thinking of that. It's, it's, so it's, is it like half business travel? What does that structure look like uh, in terms of how you target guests? Yeah. It, our, our audience has always been for young professionals and mm. that audience has always been the same in terms of a certain demo and certain people that do type certain types of work and are much more urban, but whether they travel for business or whether they travel for leisure, that's just mindset, but we're still targeting mm-hmm. the same person. Got it. Got it. And we love to end, always end with this question. So something we've realized over 13 years of being an association is that Everyone has their own definition of what boutique means and what a boutique hotel is to them. And that is something we've just come to terms with after such a long time. And with that, the community is expanding. It's very personable to each um, visionary and leader. Ernest, what does boutique mean to you? Yeah, this is an interesting question because I could imagine the types of responses you've gotten over the years. I think let's back up. And to, to me, like hospitality, right? It is truest form 
means you're a host, right? You're welcoming somebody from another city to a new city, or you're bridging people together, or you're exposing them to some sort of new experience. Boutique within that context, to me, is being able to deliver that, but with a genuine and a personal touch so that it doesn't feel scripted, it doesn't feel commoditized, but it actually feels very human. And yeah, you could be boutique by being a mom and pop B&B owner, or you could be boutique by having 10 hotels. And it, as long as you fit that, that feeling of, yeah, being genuine and, and personal. Absolutely. I love the way that you describe that. I have similar viewpoints on that, my philosophy on it. I always say the best hotel owners also host the best dinner parties. That's just like a trait I've noticed between the two. And it's just always, it's so beautiful seeing everyone's different definitions. But you know what? Kind of, there's always this common theme. And I think it's what you said. It's like, genuine authenticity, something more personable, more intimate. I think boutique has moved away from if you're under this amount of rooms and you have good design, you're boutique. I think that's what big chains like Marriott, Hyatt, Hilton, that's what how they see it. Okay. But I think when you look at the true essence of boutique, it's more towards, you know, what you're saying. And it's let's not forget the true nature of hospitality. I think we've lost that along the way as our industry has boomed like crazy. That's something I think BLA, we have a big passion in is going back to true hospitality. Let's bring that feeling back into hotel experiences. And with that concludes today's show. Ernest, thank you so much. I'll see you in New York City very soon here. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for being an amazing leader and very much look up to what you do, what Citizen M, how you guys are growing. You stay true to who you are. It's one of the rare boutique hotel lifestyle collections out there that as you scale, you do keep that authenticity, which is why I included that question. Thank you so much, everyone. I'll see you um, next week as we continue on this innovation path in the hospitality industry. Thank you, Ernest. All right, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solanus, the intuitive boutique hotel property management system. Thanks for listening to The Unfamiliar Shift with Ariella. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Let us know what you think. To learn more about the world of boutique hospitality, be sure to check out our website, bla.org.